Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we continue our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. The Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. These events are free and open to the public, so if this discussion sparks your interest, please consider joining the conversation at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Today, we're talking about humanitarian aid in the wake of a hurricane. I'm joined in the studio by Clay Poor and Sabrina Brandt, who are students in a Georgia College second-year class on unnatural disasters, which is taught by Dr. Amanda Ranke. Clay, Sabrina, welcome to Georgia College Connections. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as we start off this Times Talk conversation, I thought I'd ask y'all first just to talk about this class that y'all are presenting from, and that's Unnatural Disasters with Dr. Amanda Ranke. Yeah, so this class is really interesting. It is a GC2Y, which always has very interesting and different topics, helps with our liberal arts mission. So what's interesting about it is it is called unnatural disasters, but we do study physical natural disasters, but we do talk about how the effects of these disasters are prolonged based on different policies and how the effects of humanitarian aid makes the disaster last so much longer just because people become reliant on it, stuff like that. So definitely a very thought-provoking class, and it gives you a whole new perspective on what's supposed to be helpful and how it could be potentially harmful. And I'm curious, is that always the case, that the humanitarian aid actually prolongs and possibly compounds some of these disasters? Or are there any best practice stories where y'all see where things go right? That's not always the case. It's funny because, like, after studying a few cases, it becomes obvious, like, what's going to be difficult on the community. Like, for example, Tom's Shoes. You buy a pair of shoes and they donate it to a country that needs shoes. And in that country, meanwhile, the people who are getting their income in the shoe industry are no longer able to do that because everybody they would sell shoes to are getting it for free overseas from humanitarian aid. So that's just like one example that not many people think of. So and that's just one industry. But that also happens with rice and other agriculture and stuff like that. A lot of things that people need to survive that they get from overseas and from humanitarian aid that just harms their economy. But they're definitely just based on studies that you do beforehand and just really seeing the economic, cultural and social effects of the humanitarian aid. There are some helpful and really beneficial donations. So it's not going to be a total downer of a conversation oh, today. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to talk about some of the good aspects of yes. things, even though we are talking about natural disasters. Well, you're here because you're presenting as a part of a project for your class. And I was wondering if now that we've introduced the class, if you could talk about the research project you're doing. Well, mainly the research project we're doing is we're researching United Nations aid and even other humanitarian aid groups that provide immediately after said disaster. 
Examples are mainly what Sabrina and I are discussing are I'm doing Hurricane Mitch and she's doing Hurricane Felix. Both hurricanes are massive Caribbean hurricanes that struck both Honduras and Nicaragua at the time. Mitch during the 1980s and Felix here in the 21st century. One of the big things that we've noticed through it all, especially discussing our class on natural disasters, that Hurricane Mitch, Honduras was seriously affected up to 6,500 people died, and about 2 million people were completely affected by this hurricane. And it raised all the way up to, internationally, it got all the way up to $6 billion in damages in U.S. dollars back in the day. But then in Hurricane Felix with Sabrina, we found out that only 248 people lost their homes. Only 248 homes were affected. Very few were affected after it. And so that's also a big describe for the term unnatural disasters, whereas it's completely preventable. Every disaster is almost preventable where you live if you prepare for it. It is basically one of the big things that we discuss with our class with this topic. And I'm curious, could you expound upon that idea that every natural disaster is, is preventable? Is that, as Sabrina was talking about, the after effects of when that humanitarian aid starts coming in, those parts of the disaster are preventable? Or? Well, actually, what's interesting, the reason that we chose Felix and Mitch were both Category 5 hurricanes in the same area, so just decades separated, but the aftermaths were so different because they used that humanitarian aid to their advantage, and they they put it towards better infrastructure to prepare for another one. So instead of thousands of deaths, they just 102 in Nicaragua during Hurricane Felix and only a few homes were affected in Honduras, as opposed to in the 80s, the hundreds and thousands of people and homes that were either dead, missing, or destroyed during the same amount of wind and rain, just showing how the effects of the aid has helped better their community and also just prevents the same disaster from having the same effect. So really between the two of these hurricanes, it was a story of just learning your lessons the first time and then putting those best practices into place and really preventing another almost human catastrophe on top of this natural disaster. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you could obviously like take a negative and make it a positive in this situation, whereas both countries, the infrastructure such as bridges and all this other stuff and levees were completely, utterly destroyed after Mitch. Even the president of Honduras said, due to this hurricane, our production for our country has been pushed back by a complete 50 years. And then for Felix to happen only 30 years down the road, after all the aid, they rebuilt their infrastructure to withstand this type of disaster again. And it proved that it was the best decision they could have made. So almost being destroyed, they could actually rebuild anew in a sense. Well, we're out of time in this segment, so we're going to take a short break right now. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. This, of course, is one of our collaborations with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversation to our radio audience. The Times Talk happens each week on Wednesdays at noon in the Georgia College Library. If you're enjoying our conversation today and feel that you have a part to contribute, please consider coming out and joining the Times Talk each Wednesday at noon in the Georgia College Library. Today, we're talking about humanitarian aid in the wake of hurricanes and other natural disasters. I'm joined in the studio by Clay Poor and Sabrina Brandt. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. We're continuing today with another edition of our Times Talk collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College. We're talking about the humanitarian aid that comes in the wake of a hurricane or other natural disaster. I'm joined in the studio by Clay Poor and Sabrina Brandt, and they are students in a Georgia College second year class called Unnatural Disasters. Now, in that last segment, we we're kind of talking about your class that you all are doing this project for in the subject of your research project. And in this segment, I thought we'd get right into it. Now, we were talking about some of the aid that comes to different countries in the wake of different natural disasters. Y'all, of course, are basing um, y'all's research in really the context of our conversation on Hurricane Mitch and Hurricane Felix. Yeah, that's for our side of it. Our other uh, members are doing also Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Matthew. They're just not here today to help discuss that data. All right, and I think that's good because I think Hurricane Mitch and Hurricane Felix will be a little bit farther outside of um, our memories, whereas uh, Katrina, I think we'd have a lot of memories that would flavor the conversation. Hurricane Matthew, I think it would be hard for us to even wrap our minds totally around what the outcome of those are. Um, but one of the things that um, we talked a, a, just a little bit about was the amount of aid that comes in in the wake of these natural disasters. And so I thought I'd start off this part of our conversation talking about how do we quantify and perhaps qualify aid? Um, is it always in dollar amounts or you know, is, is there other ways that we try to measure the international community's reaction to natural disasters? Yeah, well, definitely, just like we were talking about before, the quality of the aid would definitely go towards what they're using it for. And again, if it's more of like a reliance versus a rebirth or like a recovery stage. So a lot of what we discuss in class is the recovery. So when we discuss how efficient the aid is, and especially when certain countries are trying to decide how much they want to give, they want to know, is it they just need money right now and then they'll be back to asking again later, or like we were saying before, when they use their money to rebuild their infrastructure and become more prepared for another disaster, they'd be more willing to provide. So we also have talked about aid that's for during the recovery process, like housing and shelters. But there have been certain cases where the low quality of the aid adds to the disaster which was super preventable if they just got a better quality aid, like the housing. There was a situation after a hurricane, I believe in Haiti, where the housing that they provided had chemicals in their system. So then it provided another chemical disaster within the community. So just to discuss the quality of it, definitely when it just comes down to monetary, we want to make sure that the money being used is for recovery and preparedness for any future disasters instead of just, okay, we're going to clean this mess up and everybody goes back to normal because the community needs to prepare for a disaster that they can't control when it comes, but they can be prepared for when it arrives. And also when it comes to other aids such as housing, food, etc., you want to make sure nothing from that aid can be harmful and any aspect of the recovery, which has unfortunately happened in many cases where bad food could be provided or inefficient housing and causing other issues in the community. And I'm just curious, how are these decisions made? 
Or do the donors generally decide, especially if they're making monetary donation to these countries or areas, uh, do they get to decide whether it goes into something immediate like uh, blankets or, um, you know, food rations or perhaps uh, like modular housing like you're talking about? Or are there generally, I guess, liaisons on the ground with these large non-governmental organizations? Or is it the governments of these affected countries that are making the decisions how monetary donations are? are put to use in the wake of a disaster? I mean, sadly, usually the country is immediately affected. The last thing that they're kind of thinking of immediately is quite literally what kind of supplies. They're not going to be picky. They're going to accept whatever they want. One of the big donors usually of immediately the foreign aid would be citizens of other foreign countries, especially here in the United States. Material-wise, not really. I mean, because one of the biggest problems is like you go to your local Walmart, you then like buy a bunch of blankets and you want to then ship it over to Haiti. Those blankets may not be correctly coded due to Red Cross or even international foreign aid policies, so they can't be used. So sadly, it has to be a dollar sign that has to be usually shipped over. And once you send the dollar sign over, it can be used, whatever is there. But it's usually very high quality goods and services that's then provided immediately to care for the local populace. We are global citizens and we're concerned about people that we may never get the opportunity to meet. Are there any things that we should be thinking about when that next natural disaster hits place far away? Should we be thinking about not just donating money or you know, maybe selecting the organization that we donate to because they have a specific mission? Is that, is that something that y'all be able to even touch upon with the research that yeah. you've done? Well, definitely. I think one of the most important things to do Whenever you donate, even to any cause, it doesn't have to just be natural disasters. Just do your research on where your money is going to. I know there's definitely been controversy in the past where people find out that the money they donate to a cause is going to people in higher up positions in the nonprofit. So always do your research no matter where you're donating to just to see whether your money is going towards something that you think it's going towards and it's something that you support and whether the money is actually helping the economy or not. I said earlier with the Tom Shoes how it builds a reliance on the communities that they're donating to. They're not going to say point blank on their website, when we donate a pair of shoes, we're harming the shoe industry in that country. So definitely just to ask, how is my donation going to contribute? And just think about economic, social, and cultural outcomes of your donation and if it will be helpful or harmful in any way. Well, it's happened again. We're out of time in this segment. But if you're just joining us, we're talking about humanitarian aid in the wake of a natural disaster. I'm joined in the studio by Sabrina Brandt and Clay Poor, who are the students in a Georgia College second year class called Unnatural Disasters. You're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM, and we're having another Times Talk conversation. Stay tuned for more.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. We're continuing our collaboration with the American Democracy Project tonight, and we're doing one of their Times Talk conversations for you, our radio audience. Of course, the Times Talk happens each week, and if you enjoy our conversation today, I want to invite you out to the Georgia College campus at noon on Wednesdays uh, so you can participate in the Times Talk yourself. Today, for this Times Talk, we're talking about humanitarian aid in the wake of a natural disaster. I'm joined in the studio by Sabrina Brandt and Clay Poor, and they are talking about their research project for the Georgia College second year class titled Unnatural Disasters. Now, as we were leaving out in that last segment, we were talking about how important it is to do research to make sure that your charitable donation actually goes towards its intended purpose and that it's used in the most effective way possible. And it drew in me a question of how could our radio audience do that research? What advice do you have for them to know that they're putting that charitable gift to its best use? So definitely when doing research, if there's a specific task that comes with it, instead of saying your donation will help a child in need, saying this donation will provide a child with X many meals or etc. Making it specific, like SMART goals, um, the acronym specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, timely. So just applying that to what your donation will be going to just because everybody wants to say, oh, I donated money to help a child in need. What does that mean? So make sure you know what that means. Again, the economic, social and cultural effects of your donation and just seeing if it builds a reliance in the community. And when you say builds a reliance, that's, again, going back, making that community reliant on someone else Correct. for perhaps a good or service that that community itself may have provided in the past. Right, exactly. Which the reason why this course is called Unnatural Disasters is because it talks about things like reliances and how the hurricane passed, but there's still a disaster because people are dealing with the other effects of humanitarian aid and dealing with crumbling buildings all around them and just trying to deal with the recovery, which is still part of the disaster, which even if the actual hurricane hit them as past, it makes a very short disaster prolonged and can make it last through generations after. And you also mentioned another interesting thing in that answer right there about kind of identifying exactly what this aid will go towards. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if through the course of y'all's research, you found any um, any kinds of aid, as in, you know, aid that provides food or aid that provides knowledge about agricultural practices or other things. Is there any specific types of aid that are generally most effective, regardless of, I guess, the cultural context or the actual context of that natural disaster? Well, clearly medical immediately. There's in any disaster, someone's hurt, someone's injured, someone's sick. And then there's prolonged disasters of disease because of it, especially since most countries that are usually severely affected by this have such a weak infrastructure, usually weak plumbing, uh, human waste, very lacking. And um, so immediately already aid for health is critical in every situation. That's always the immediate thing that happens. Another one would be transportation. In Hurricane Mitch, 30 helicopters from both Mexico and U.S. were immediately donated for to two weeks that international occupation of Honduras and Nicaragua to help relief after Hurricane Mitch, and then they left. But just the immediate 
uh, sense of both aid being on standby is probably the most critical form for these countries, I would say. And then I just I turn that question around to what are some of the worst ways that you can contribute towards a natural disaster? Things that are just completely superfluous and you know, don't really have their intended effect. I think some of the best nonprofits and humanitarian aid efforts are the ones that are educating the community or helping them rebuild the community afterwards. But even still, sometimes those situations have bad outcomes due to lack of communication. For example, people from the U.S. went overseas and they were going to teach, I don't remember where it was, but they were going to teach the community how to properly and efficiently um, grow produce. So they arrive and they saw a river and they were like, perfect, this is exactly where we should plant the food. I can't believe they didn't know. I guess they're just uneducated and we are the heroes to help them do that. So they stay there for months and they watch all this beautiful food grow and they are thinking to themselves like, this is great. I can't believe that we've provided all this help for this community. And then they look and a hippo and a bunch, a bunch of hippos come out of the river and just eats all of the food. That would never have happened all of the time and money spent growing this food that never even got eaten by the people who needed it would have been avoided if they just communicated with the people who were already living there saying, hey, why don't you guys plant it on the river? They probably would have said there's hippos in there and they will eat the food. So that's just one example. And even like in the local community, I had a friend, um, shout out to Kerrigan. She tried to do a fundraiser for the local animal shelter. And with all of the funds that she earned, she was going to go out and buy dog and cat food. And when she contacted the director, they said, Please stop donating dog and cat food. Everybody does that. We need bleach and towels and other things that animal shelters need that no one thinks of. So definitely there are not even just the reliance factors that are negatives, but just lack of communication and knowledge of what the people and the people who like what the people need and what the people already know. So definitely keeping that in mind when contributing. So it sounds to me like having uh, an idea of whether or not this aid organization has um, relationships with people on the ground there. If they can exhibit that they actually know the people and are able to really understand what the needs are in that community. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then to add on to Sabrina's point, usually aid that's given to countries and communities that are in need can accidentally unintentionally have consequences. One that can be easily described as a story um, that I remember hearing was a church decided that to a foreign town that had huge food shortages that, hey, we're going to gather a bunch of eggs, chicken eggs, and we're then going to ship it over to this country, to this little town, village, and help provide for them because they have a huge food shortage. And they thought that would work. The free eggs did arrive to the country, and what it unintentional consequences were was that it completely threw out their entire economy for chicken out of loop because what happens is that there was these hundreds, thousands of eggs, free chicken eggs given immediately to these poor, usually impoverished peoples. And when they get the eggs, you compare it to your local eggs that are living in your own town. Would you rather eat the giant American eggs that are completely free given to you? Or would you like to spend some cash on some maybe insignificant, maybe not nearly as tasting good eggs that your community is providing? You're going to clearly want to eat the American eggs, the free eggs that have just been given to you. And that unintentionally what that did was that the uh, local economy, since they weren't selling eggs, 
they decide to, you know, kill the, kill the hens and use them to sell their poultry to keep business going. But then once three eggs from America ran out, there was no more eggs. And then they killed all the hens to stay in business. And then there was a chicken shortage. So then all in all, it accidentally a really good thing that was happening turned into a big consequence. And you can even, and that's also um, a big one with the Haitian earthquake with uh, U.S. Rice, rice subsidies accidentally putting rice farmers out of work. And one of the best things that I've done for research to find some of these stories and other things with humanitarian aid was a little documentary called Poverty Incorporate. You can go on Netflix, you can research it. They even have a website and they go into very big detail, mainly what we're even talking about with humanitarian aid and how it's, it's got some maybe some dark undertones into everything they do. We're almost out of time for our show today, so I want to ask you all the perennial last times talk question, and that is, what do you hope your audience members gain out of the conversation when you're there tomorrow? Just to definitely be aware of all the effects of natural disasters and just to understand that there are unnatural disasters out there. And if you are contributing to aid, just to know where it's going towards and understand the importance of knowing where it's going towards and what your donation will actually do for that community. Well, Clay, Sabrina, thank you all so very much for joining me today on Georgia College Connections. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. The pleasure was all mine. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we continued our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. If you enjoyed our conversation today, found it thought-provoking, please consider coming out and joining the discussion at noon Wednesday in the Georgia College Library. Today, we talked about humanitarian aid in the wake of a natural disaster. Joining me in the studio was Clay Poor and Sabrina Brandt, who are students in a Georgia College second year class titled Unnatural Disasters. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending a portion of this evening with you here on Georgia College Connections, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.